Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. He wore a leather belt around his waist, and for food he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. This is God's word for God's people. Well, let us look at God's word. Advent comes again. And we're reminded that God came into the world in an unprecedented way. His new kingdom came through Jesus Christ, our Savior God, by his love and grace, has offered us salvation. He wanted to rescue Israel in order that Israel could be a light to lighten the Gentiles. That's the kingdoms, the, the, the countries, the nations beyond Israel. That us may be his rescuing stewards over creation. So he wanted to rescue humans so that we may be his stewards over his creation. And this is what has been realized in Jesus Christ. The thing is, will we let him, Jesus, into our lives? The question this Advent is, what is our response? I know that Advent is a time of preparation. And it's right that we should humble ourselves before God in that preparation. But God's kingdom has come through Jesus the Christ. And how do we respond? How do we respond? This picture, I don't know if you can see it well enough, but it's a picture that depicts... Thanks, Nicole. This picture depicts Jesus. That's Jesus. And the light round his head 
is the light of salvation. And the lamp that he's holding is the lamp of our conscience, of our soul. And the door represents us, our soul. I don't know if you've seen this picture before. I know, I know some of you have. It was painted by someone called Holman Hunt. And it hangs in Keeble College in Oxford. But they started charging to see it. And um, Holman Hunt didn't think this was such a good thing. So he made a big replica, which is in St. Paul's Cathedral. I would have gone to see it, but it was so expensive to get in to St. Paul's Cathedral. <laughs> Do you know, I, I, I even went through my confirmation at St. Paul's Cathedral uh, in the crypt there. And um, I went in there the other day and I couldn't go because they charged so much to get in. And I mean, I, I could, but <laughs> I could sit in the side chapel and pray. That's fine. I did. Anyway, here's Jesus. Here's our soul, the door. And you can't see it that clearly, but behind Jesus is a new dawn. It's the rising of the sun in Bethlehem. And Holman Hunt didn't finish this painting. It took him several years until he'd been to Bethlehem. He wanted to see the sunrise, the new dawn in Bethlehem. Brings us back to the candle, doesn't it? The peace candle of Bethlehem. So, what you can notice here at the door, there's no handle on it from the outside. That's Jesus on the outside. You can only open it from the inside. So we're on the inside. You might be able to see that some weeds have grown up outside that door. It looks like we've not been outside that door, open that door for a while. Maybe we've never opened that door. The hinges are rusty and the nails are rusty. That door hasn't been opened often. Maybe it never been opened. There he is, waiting, Jesus, waiting for our permission to enter. There's some writing under the picture, which is taken from Bible, the Bible in Revelation 3. I'm sure you, you definitely can't read that because it's, it's I, I, I cut it out, I think, by mistake. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any person hear my voice and open the door, I will come into them and will sup with them and them with me. We have our ways of hiding. But we cannot hide. God knows where we are. at all times. He knows where we are physically and he knows where we are in our hearts. He knows what's on our lips before we even say it. And he dearly loves us. John says this about Jesus. He himself knew what was in everyone. I don't know about you, but 
I kept that door shut for a long time. I've been trying to hide for years. And Jesus was knocking at the door. I knew he was. <coughs> I pushed it open a bit, saw the light, but thought, mm, it's fine. My little world is cozy. I'm familiar with it. A couple of times I opened it wider. It does look good. But then I shut it again. I let the weeds grow. The hinges went rusty. But Jesus was still there knocking. God was actually, had a plan. Actually, I didn't write this down. But God, um, 17 years ago, brought me to West Cobride. God wasn't really fully in my life at that time. It was, as I say, a mixed reception from me to God over the years, even though I had received him once. <clears throat> and when God brought me to Wesker Bride, I didn't quite see how he was preparing me but now when I look back, I think that he was leaving me, helping me to leave behind in London a kind of baggage from my past. The stuff that would tempt me back. And by being here, I left it behind. So I've been putting off God's calling, going my own way, but he has an amazing way of reaching for us. He reached for me. You know that feeling. The weed and rust are like our lives. We can get caught up in the business of life. We fill our life with clutter. Our hearts become hardened to those in need, to the poorest. And we look after ourselves again. It's easy enough to happen, isn't it? This Advent, will we open that door wide and break the hinges and walk towards that new dawn of Bethlehem and the light and let Jesus fully into our lives, his love, and let the kingdom in? In the gospel message that Marjorie read, Mark's opening words are, this is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It's the greatest opening line, one line you can ever read. Messiah, it's not a word we use often, we hear it. It means the anointed one or chosen one. And the Israelites thought that he would rescue them from the oppression of the Romans. But God had a much, much bigger plan. The good news is the gospel. The gospel means good news because it proclaims a salvation that Jesus 
has already accomplished and that we need only embrace. Wow. To believe the gospel is to admit that you can't save yourself and to choose to rely totally on Jesus to save you. St. Paul, the apostle, writes, By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. So when we receive it, we must hold on tight. It made me think about um, rescues at sea. If you're on a sinking ship or you've fallen into the ocean or it's stormy, when that helicopter comes down and that person comes on the rope, on the wire, and grabs you, you don't let go. So once we receive it, we must hold on to it tight. We must hold on to this good news and salvation. So we receive in awe and wonder but we have to receive it in humility and thankfulness. As with pride, this good news has happened to me before. God's kingdom of love and peace and salvation cannot enter into us. Going back to the passage, Mark writes, as foretold by Isaiah. Isaiah, we foretold this 750 years before it happened. God's Word endures. John the Baptist shouts to the people of Judea, which included Jerusalem, prepare the way of the Lord, clear the road for them. Those words do resonate, don't they? They they resonate in us today. But does prepare the way of the Lord, clear the road, have relevance to us today? These words belong to the God, to God, preparing the people of Israel to receive Him. We are people of the new covenant, however, of God's new kingdom. God has come. The good news has already arrived. We live in the year of our Lord, 2023. Did you see that thing about the BBC using common time? And they weren't using the year of our Lord. It's the year of our Lord, 2023. So I've been thinking about it. I think we must remember that God is here with us to hear now, right now. Jesus has taken away our sins with him to the cross. He's taken our sins to the cross and died for us. He's gone to hell for us. He's risen. He's ascended to heaven. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, We are to get on with building God's kingdom today. We have been saved. The temple curtain was torn in two on Good Friday, that we may have a direct relationship with God. We don't have to bring burnt offerings of our firstborn lamb, sacrificed to the temple to have a priest intercede on the other side of the curtain and tell us if we are worthy or not of God's forgiveness. No, Jesus became that lamb. That was sacrificed for us all. And he died for us all. We are all worthy of his love. 
God's love. That's what he sees in us. Not one sheep will go astray. Jesus is our salvation, and he is the living Christ, the resurrected Jesus who lives in heaven. Is it a time to prepare, or must we simply respond? I'm thinking, yes, we prepare for Advent in that humility in our hearts. But this isn't a time to prepare. This is a time to respond. God is with us now in this church. Jesus said, when two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be with them also. The Holy Spirit is with us now. It's hovering in this place. It's in within many of you. Our choice, therefore, isn't really to prepare. It's how we respond. We have two choices. We can submit and receive Jesus into our heart, or we can turn away. But preparing for us is not an option. We don't have time. That line is dangling for us, and we must grab it. Otherwise, we're lost. God will receive us as we are, right here, right now. We don't have to be better than we are. The disciples who Jesus called responded. They got up and walked towards him. In fact, he rebuked the man that said, I'll follow you, but first let me bury my father. It sounds harsh, but if we follow Jesus, other things will follow and fall into place. But if we keep trying to keep fixing things first, we will lose the opportunity to say yes. But let Jesus into our lives and we will know his peace. Let our ordered lives confess the beauty of his peace and rise up like the disciples beside the Syrian sea without a word. Back to the passage. John preached that they should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins to be forgiven. What we can do is repent. Repent of our sins and turn to God to be forgiven. Tens of thousands of people from Judea. Judea, all of Judea and all of Jerusalem came to receive that preparation for the Lord. What was he asking us to do? To repent. Tens of thousands. Such was the power of the Holy Spirit at work in John, who we read about just last week in Luke, was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was born. I love that passage when 
Mary hears that she's going to be giving birth. The, the Gabriel, Adrian Gabriel visits her. And then she goes off to see her cousin or relative, Elizabeth, down in the country in Judea. And when Mary greets Elizabeth, John jumps for joy in the, in the womb, in the pregnant Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was then filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was at work in a major way. Jesus also says this. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So what is repenting? Repenting is a change of heart, a turning to God, away from the road we often go. This way. It's a very beautiful and holy act. It's an internal cleansing and it opens ourselves to letting God into our lives. He shines his light upon us and our soul receives his light. Our ego no longer takes pride of place. I read this in a series of quotes, so I'm going to quote a few of these. Um, these aren't my own words or, or, or words from the Bible, um, but I thought they're very relevant to this about repenting. It's the antidote for narcissism. Grandiose self-importance, entitlement, insatiable lust for attention and self-promotion. It gives glory only to God. As Thomas Merton, a monk who lived in America, put it, humility empties the soul of all pride and annihilates it in the sight of God so that nothing may be left of it but the pure capacity for God. Humility begins with consciousness of sin our own incompleteness, our distance from what we are made to be. This frees us from having to pretend what we are not. We relinquish the need to be in control or make everything about us. Humility also heals our relationship with others. We can even accept the hard things beyond our control without losing our faith if we have humility. With humility, we accept our dependence on God. Everything is gift, not possession. And we acknowledge our need for mercy. Humility is a self-emptying process which makes room for God to fill us. By repenting and turning to God, his light that is now shining us in our lives helps us to see more clearly when we're not taking the best paths or making the right choices or being loving to those we should love. 
we might have something that's constantly a problem for us, like anger, or addiction, or lust, or greed. God loves us and doesn't want these things to get in the way of our relationship with him, or with others, but they do. So let's repent, and then we can ask for forgiveness when we can see We can truly ask for forgiveness. When we do that, we are forgiven. It helps us too to forgive others, for we realize how weak we all are. For God forgives everyone who comes to him with a repentant heart. Eventually, we realize we have to forgive others. This is when love has won. The light has overcome the darkness. Repenting is an immensely freeing thing to do. It's a submission, if you like, to God that then allows us to have a far greater intimacy with him. And then we receive the Holy Spirit and his love and light into our heart. And by receiving the Holy Spirit, it allows us to light and love, to bring light and love and joy and peace to others. It also allows us to respond and be attentive to God's will and his mission for us. Mark finishes the passage that John says, You think I'm great? I mean, John was great. He was the greatest prophet, Jesus said. John said, Someone is coming who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. People must have thought, what is this person saying? Back then, if you were someone with money or important, when you entered a house, your feet would have been dirty and the lowest servant or slave would have stooped down and untied your sandals. But John was saying, I'm not even worthy to be that person to untie the sandals of the person that's so much greater and coming next. So repentance, through repentance and salvation, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We will receive the Holy Spirit. We are God's people that live in the risen Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. God has made us in his image that we may reflect his love, his wisdom, his creativity, his power, his loving presence to be reflected into the world through us and to bring his love and kingdom 
to others through the power of the Holy Spirit. How amazing is that? And that is our mission. As we sum up this Advent, I ask, is it a time of preparing? Yes. Those who have received God into their hearts and the Holy Spirit already, we must always have humility and prepare for more of God and Jesus in our lives. But for those who haven't fully God's kingdom is at hand. It's already entered. The good news is here. There he is. Salvation has come. So what this Advent is our response. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for the good news. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. We thank you that patiently, in love, you knock at our door with your light of salvation and a lamp for our souls. We pray for humility in our lives, in our hearts, that we may fully receive you, that we may repent and offer you our hearts this Advent. If we have anything blocking us from a relationship with you, we ask, Father, to take it away. We pray that we may light, take your light, and shine it upon others, and reflect your love in your kingdom to your glory, that it may bring others to Christ. We ask this in the name of Jesus, your only Son, our Lord, our Saviour. Amen.